Trapped Under a Train by Tess Redgrave. The little girl's life was ebbing as she lay pinned to the track. Let's ride to the railway station, 12-year-old Taniela Tavite called to his 11-year-old sister, Atanina, as he straddled his bicycle. Atanina hesitated. She was bored with cycling around their parents' home in Lower Hutt, New Zealand, but the station was two blocks away and their father had forbidden them to ride bikes on the streets. Finally, Atanina said, OK, but don't tell Dad. The children slipped out the gate. It was just after 5pm on April 20, 1993. With her mane of dark hair streaming behind, Atanina led the way across the railway overpass. Then she banked her bike to the left and rode down a pedestrian ramp to the station, an asphalt platform flanked by tracks. Crouched over her handlebars, Atanina grinned as she gradually picked up speed. On the northbound track 100 metres from the station, the train driver pushed the hand throttle forward to reduce power to the electric commuter train. The four carriages slowed and began to glide into the station at 40 kilometres per hour. Atanina was racing down the ramp onto the platform. She clamped both her handbrakes, but to her dismay realised she was travelling too fast to stop before she reached the platform's edge. She leaned left in a desperate effort to turn away, overbalanced, and found herself flying through the air, plunging towards the tracks below. Taniella! she yelled in fright. The train driver realised in an instant that the girl was on course to fall onto the tracks just ahead. He lunged for the T-shaped brake lever to his right. The brakes locked and 32 steel wheels screeched against the rails. With eyes wide and arms windmilling, Atanina sailed off the platform right in front of the train. Her scream cut through Taniella like a knife. At the opposite end of the platform, he spun around. Where is she? The train shuddered to a stop. In the train's first car, Aaron Tiawanui was preparing to exit. The 19-year-old department store security guard was eager to get home after his eight-hour shift. When the train suddenly braked, Aaron was almost jerked off his feet. What was that, he wondered. A guard burst from the driver's cab and pushed past him to tug at the pneumatic doors, which slid open with a hiss. Puzzled, Aaron followed him onto the platform. Shrill screams from under the train pierced Aaron's ears. Someone's been run over, he thought. With thumping heart, he squatted and peered through the gap between platform and train into the gloom beneath the carriage. He was looking directly into the tear-filled eyes of a young girl. Her torso was half upright, leaning awkwardly back towards the platform wall. From just below her hips, her legs seemed to disappear under a wheel of the front carriage. Aaron caught a glimpse of mangled flesh. On the platform, onlookers shrank back as Atanina's screams intensified. Taniella stammered, It's my sister. My sister's down there. Atanina stretched out her arms to Aaron and sobbed, Help me! He felt a rush of anguish. His tall rugby player's frame hid a shy, compassionate nature. I can't leave her alone down there, he thought. Running to the front of the train, Aaron leapt down onto the rails, then began to crawl towards Atanina. As he approached the girl, she reached for him with both arms. When he was about a metre away, Aaron rapidly examined the child. He could not see all of her left leg, just her upper thigh and blue track pants bunched against the wheel. Her right thigh appeared to be pinned between the wheel and track, but the remainder of this leg, still wearing a sneaker, was twisted round the shimmering rim like a scarf. 
The bone showed through in places and skin hung in strips. Aaron choked back nausea. Help me, help me, the girl wailed, grabbing Aaron's forearm. It's all right, Aaron said in a voice he hoped sounded reassuring as he clasped Atanina's hand. I've got to calm her down and keep her alert to reduce the effects of shock, he thought. From a first aid course, he knew that shock was the biggest threat to trauma victims. When accompanied by blood loss, shock can result in too little oxygen reaching the brain and vital organs, causing cell damage, organ failure and death. Aaron moved closer, arched his broad shoulders, slit his arm around her back and supported her head on his chest. My name's Aaron, he said gently. What's yours? Atanina, the girl sobbed. Don't tell my dad, she pleaded. We weren't meant to be here. I won't, he promised. What school do you go to? St Michael's. Each time she finished speaking, Aaron asked another question. Soon the girl stopped crying. But when from the platform above they heard urgent voices, Atanina gripped Aaron's hand tightly. Don't leave me, she said. I won't, Aaron promised, feeling a lump in his throat. Please God, help this little girl, he prayed. Atanina's eyes suddenly closed, opened, then closed again. Aaron tensed, realising she might never wake up if she lost consciousness. Atanina, he said loudly. What class are you in? Her eyes flickered open. Form one, she said softly. Siren blaring, an ambulance arrived. Paramedic Kevin Anderson, 36, grabbed his emergency kit and ran towards the train. The guard's voice was urgent as he pointed beneath the front car. Here! Anderson squeezed down between train and platform. He saw a young man hunched over the torso of a dark-haired girl. Moving closer, he saw Atanina's shattered right leg wrapped round the wheel. The sight made him gasp. Realising there was little he could do about the right leg, Anderson peeled back the pants from Atanina's left thigh. The leg had been severed above the knee. The rest of it had disappeared. There was little bleeding. With traumatic amputation, arteries often retract, temporarily sealing themselves. Anderson pulled out his cellular phone and dialed for help. Victims trapped and injuries are serious. Get the fire service, the helicopter and another ambulance, he told the dispatcher. Anderson grasped her wrist. Aaron moved aside but still held her hand. The girl's pulse was only 100. So far, so good, Anderson thought. Bodies of people who have lost limbs temporarily compensate for the loss of blood and tissue by speeding up their heart rates. The quicker the heart rate, the bigger the threat to life. If trauma victims are not hospitalised within an hour, the risk of death skyrockets. She's holding up well, but for how long, Anderson thought. Aaron and Anderson were joined under the train by paramedic Jennifer Davidson, 36. She helped hook an oxygen mask over Atanina's face, then injected a painkiller and clipped a pulse oximeter, a computerised device that measures pulse and the amount of oxygen in the blood, to Atanina's finger. Then she wadded towels and bandages round the girl's trapped leg. Though the wounds were hardly bleeding, the girl could have a major hemorrhage at any time. Anderson checked her pulse again. It's up to 105, he said. Atanina had been under the train for 20 minutes. Gripping Aaron's hand more tightly, she looked beseechingly into his eyes. I won't leave you, he told her. At 5.42pm, two fire engines roared up to the station. Two officers ran from the lead vehicle and crouched to speak to the paramedics. One leg's trapped by the wheel, Anderson explained. See what you can do. 
the fireman conferred with 40-year-old divisional officer Ian Mitchell, who told his men, we'll try to raise the train with heavy airbags. Fire control had already dispatched a heavy rescue tender that carries several inflatable airbags, up to one metre square envelopes made of steel-reinforced rubber. One was capable of lifting almost 66 tonnes, the other nearly 44 tonnes. The front carriage weighed 32 tonnes. Now, as a rescue helicopter landed in a grassy area next to the station, cries echoed across the platform. Atanina's family had arrived. Her weeping father, Massey, lunged forward shouting, It's all right, Atanina, we're here! Fireman gently restrained him. Massey, a Tokelau Islander, and his wife Mele from Tonga, had emigrated from the islands over 20 years before. Massey felt especially protective towards Atanina, the youngest of his four children. She often helped her mother in the kitchen or ran errands for Massey. She played centre on the school netball team. Under the train, Atanina began to cry again. I shouldn't have been here. It's okay, Aaron said. Your dad won't be angry. Davidson checked the oximeter. Atanina's pulse was 110. Moments later, the train crew disconnected the pantograph, a spring-loaded diamond-shaped frame on the train's roof that conducts electricity to the engines. Then, as dusk fell, tripod lights were set up beside the train. Powerful flashlights were passed down to Aaron and the paramedics. One of the firemen found the severed leg beneath the third car and carried it to the helicopter. Despite Aaron's efforts to keep her talking, Atanina was closing her eyes and drifting off. Aaron squeezed her hand. You mustn't fall asleep, he said. Atanina shook her head and moaned. On the oximeter's screen, 120 flashed. By now the rescue tender had arrived. Station officer Rob Sullivan, 39, jumped from the cab and sprinted along the platform toward the accident scene. Atanina had been under the train for 40 minutes. Sullivan got down from the platform and squatted in front of the train car. He had never used airbags to lift a train before, only cars and buses. He realised that placing the bags under the centre or sides of the carriage would make the train unstable. We'll have to raise the front. A quick check of the cross structure under the train's nose revealed nothing sharp that could puncture the rubber bags. But the ground was another matter. The bed of gravel, the rail and sleepers presented the possibility of punctures, as well as an uneven surface for the bags to lie on. Stability was further threatened by an 80-centimetre gap between the ground and the undercarriage, which would require greater inflation of the bags. We don't have time to bring in the cranes, Sullivan thought. Are these bags going to work? Sullivan ordered his three-man crew to construct a 15-centimetre-high platform of wooden blocks between the tracks under the driver's cab. Then he laid the bags on the platform with the larger one on the bottom. Finally, hoses from the bags were connected to a compressed air tank. Sullivan lay down under the carriage between the paramedics and the wooden platform to make sure that the bags stayed in place while they swelled. Then he had firemen kneel on either side of the train with blocks ready to chock the wheels. Ready to lift, Sullivan called. I hope it's not too late, thought Davidson. Atanina's pulse rate was now over 140, critically high, and her breathing rapid and shallow. Davidson and Anderson quickly placed more padding by the wheel. They knew that when the right leg was freed, the retracted arteries could suddenly open. Aaron clutched Atanina's hand and spoke directly into her ear. You'll be out in a minute. She didn't answer. A tense silence fell. Aaron's heart beat faster. 
At a sign from Sullivan, a fireman opened the valve. With a hiss, the 66-ton bag slowly expanded. Now the other one, Sullivan called. The train creaked as the bags pressed against its belly. More air hissed into the bags. Then, gently, the four front wheels rose from the rails. The gap widened. When it was 15 centimetres, Sullivan shouted, Chock! Firemen slipped blocks under the wheels and axles. Enough? Sullivan asked. The paramedics nodded. Go for it, Sullivan said. Now, as Anderson gently eased the shattered leg from the train's wheel, Aaron felt the girl's hand tighten in his own and her body tense. She sucked in her breath. It's hurting, she whimpered. Never mind, you're free now, Aaron said. Quickly, the paramedics juggled the small body onto a stretcher. Aaron stayed beside the stretcher, still holding Atanina's hand as she was carried from under the train. But as he was about to climb onto the platform, he felt overwhelmed by the lights and crowd and shrank back. Peering round the carriage, he watched as Atanina was swung into the helicopter, which immediately lifted into the dark sky and sped towards Wellington Hospital. Unnoticed, Aaron climbed over a fence flanking the tracks and slipped away. At the hospital, once Atanina's condition was stable, surgeons amputated her right leg. When Aaron got home, friends asked if he had heard about the accident. Yeah, I was there, he replied, preferring to try to forget it. He was relieved to hear on the news that Atanina would survive. However, that night his sleep was plagued by nightmares in which he and the girl were trapped in dark places. While at work the next day, his hands shook uncontrollably. A few days later, as Atanina recovered, she told her parents, I want to see the man who held my hand. Massey asked friends if they knew who his daughter's comforter was. When no one could help, he called a radio station to ask Aaron to come forward. The grandparents of one of Aaron's flatmates supplied his number and the radio station phoned the young man. That little girl really wants to see you, the announcer told him. Five days after the accident, Aaron nervously strode down the hospital corridor. What would he say to Atanina? Would his face bring a flood of horrific memories for her? Hesitantly, he stood at the door of her room, then walked in. Atanina was sitting up in bed, flanked by her parents, her glossy hair neatly brushed. Flowers and cards from well-wishers lined the windowsills. After a few seconds' silence, she smiled and said, Thank you for helping me. Overcome with shyness, Aaron grinned and shrugged, but at that moment he knew his nightmares would disappear. Atanina stayed in the hospital for seven weeks. Experts attribute her survival to the medical attention she received under the train and to Aaron's having kept her conscious. Whenever his name is mentioned, Atanina's eyes light up. He's my hero, she says. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Readers Digest Australia 